Hi everyone, welcome back to Confusion Confusions. We're Ashley and Gracia and today we're doing our second book club episode on regeneration. So basically regeneration was one of our A-level texts and we wanted to discuss it today because we both really really enjoyed learning about it and it basically explores the experience of army officers being treated at a mental hospital during World War One, and it explores a lot of the trauma they experienced and what the war was on them. Hmm. So the plot actually mostly follows this soldier called Sassoon. And actually from my perspective, I feel like Regeneration doesn't have a direct plot, like a, a super direct plot. Even though mm-hmm. most of the story follows Sassoon's life, however, the plots are more like mini plots in the book. Yeah. It's kind of fragmented almost mm-hmm. from my perspective. And yeah, actually it's like, it's probably our, one of our favourite books in all mm-hmm. the A-level lit literature texts that we read just because it's quite easy to understand and actually in A-levels we studied our text from the perspective of the topic um, our mind and self which yeah. basically um, focuses on like the identity of characters and and people in the novel yeah and I think like the book also fit perfectly in that sense where it was like kind of a uh discovery of like the psyche and how the brain yeah. reacts to like events yeah as also because of the setting like it's set in a psychological mm-hmm. like mental health hospital mm-hmm. and then it explores a lot about the effects of the war on soldiers yeah i think also like personally i felt very far removed from war like living in such like stability it feels it feels like a horrible thing but you never really understand like what it was really like, not just to the civilians, but to like the people involved. Mm. I yeah. also think for me, I'm like I think many people actually, and many young people, they are interested in psycho psychology, and mm. like studying this in literature really gave me an insight into like learning about psychology and like identity and culture. Yeah, so I really like this book. Mm. Okay, okay, we'll start off with our first question. What do you think of the writing style and content structure of the book? Mm, I think I really, really liked the writing style. It was very evocative, like, for me. I feel like Mm. the whole thing was so intentionally created and a lot of the... It was very vivid. Like, every moment was very vivid from... And you could feel so many, like, senses in play when you were reading the book. Mm. I think um, one very significant writing style that I liked a lot was um, the depiction of war in the novel. Because even though it was a novel like revolving around the idea of war, it never really, it was never in the actual battlefront. It, uh. it presented war through the minds of like these soldiers and these frontliners. So it was a very different kind of, very intimate kind of revelation of it. Mm. So it's like a different take on, on the idea of war, right? Yeah, it makes it more like, um, I think if it makes it like much more emotional, I feel like. Mm. Yeah. I think like, it's, all, it's like the best part about the book, I think, is that you, we don't really study the psychological effects of war. We mostly look at like the physical trauma more than the psychological trauma. My fa- I think a writing style of in this book, right, that I, like, at the start, I didn't really enjoy. 
is how there's a lot of like he she weaves in the historical narrative and like mm. like the factual um she weaves in factual like clippings and like quotes I think yeah that's something that at the start I didn't really like I think cause I didn't I didn't see like the the I I didn't see the need for it and like okay maybe I don't know if I didn't see the need but just for me like historical clippings is just boring like you know like to read mm. the historical clipping but like as I studied the text I gradually came to understand like the importance of all these like historical like the interweaving like the historical narratives and everything I came to see like how cool it like the intention of the author was in, mm. in, in including those historical narratives since you like very factual like factually yeah. driven things right I thought you would like the historical aspect a lot more Hmm. I think I like factual things, but not really like um like huge. I don't know. I like f- factual things that like when when they're like critical analysis of something. Oh, okay. Yeah, critical analysis of factual things, but not just um like a a history book kind of like there. Mm. Like his a, a bunch of history just there. Mm. And also, I think cause. The kind of the kind of information like the kind of historical information in the book is not it's not like crucial historical information. It's mm. about like Sassoon's life, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not really learning something. Mm, okay. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Okay. Next question. So how important do you think was the like setting of the story? Hmm. I think mm, I don't know, I feel like it's important but it's also not everything because this book, right, is set even though like the setting is important, it's the setting is not to highlight the setting but to highlight like the the interior like like the, the minds of the soldiers. Like the setting is there not not just for its beauty or what, but to highlight the 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 mindset and like the perspectives of the soldiers and their trauma. So it's mm. like a reflection of their psyche. Yeah. So it like serves yeah. to propel the inner yeah. conflict. So, yeah, so in a way it's very important. And also because of the language that um Barker uses, that is very very nice. Mm. Um and in it's very like uh I think it's like intricate. Mm. Like the kind of language she uses. And she also doesn't shy away from like introducing the gong. Yeah. Do you want to explain more about like how she introduces the girl? Hmm. Now, I think there's this part where she talks about like the dead, the rotting fish on the on the sand. Mm. And like their blood like how bloody they are. Mm. I mean, I don't really remember, but I think that part was in order to highlight um one of the soldiers like the trauma he f- the trauma he faced such that he all he could see was the blood of the fish yeah i think like there was one other part that i just remembered about how this soldier was like in the rain and he put the cor- corpses of like dead animals around him in an almost like mm-hmm. um what was the process called it was almost like a cleansing ex- exorcist type of process mm. and I think I think certain parts of the book actually make it 
very like to the point of being uncomfortable and I think that is what it kind of want to replicate about how the war takes like invades the daily life and makes every like minute of living uncomfortable yeah like the soldier he, he laid there naked right I think that's like something you would never imagine and it's like it's so far from our reality that it's shocking mm-hmm. yeah I think another another almost like iconic part of the novel is um when a soldier he holds up an eyeball and he calls it a gob, gob stopper, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think that, that is like, it's like confronting like the physical trauma and like, like, it really shows you like how, how traumatic like the war is. Mm. Yeah. Like to put it into context, like the eye being a gob stopper is meant to, um, I guess like signify how Silence, right? To the point where it would, like the visual of it would silence the soldiers. Yeah, I think the motif of silence is very, it's a very, um, present. It's very present throughout the whole novel. Hmm. Okay, which, um, which character was the most striking to you in the whole text? Hmm. Actually, I don't think I had, like, a character that was very striking to me, mm. but I guess like. As the because like as we the more we studied the book right like for A levels especially, our teacher expected um Sasun like one of the basically the main character to come out. So at first he wasn't like, I didn't have a favorite character or any character that I felt that was striking. Mm-hmm. I knew that Sasun was like the main character, but he didn't stand out to me particularly like as someone that I really liked. But the more I studied about him, then the more I liked him because I think like the more you study someone right, the more complex their character become. Yeah. And, like, it really shows, like, like, the compli- the complexity of, like, the human condition is, like, what is beautiful, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I really, like, came to understand, like, his perspective, which is why I think, in the end, my favourite character was Susun, but I didn't start off with him as my favourite. How mm-hmm. about you? Um, I think my favourite character would be prior and mm. I think the beauty like as you mentioned just now about like the characters that Barker uses or creates is that mm. you can really see them struggling and it makes them very human in that sense mm. but the interesting thing about prior is that he's one of the only characters in the in the whole entire novel that wasn't based in reality so he wasn't a real person ah yeah yeah and I think like because of that he was really used as a tool to explore a lot of like conflicts. I feel like he's the reason why like Rivers was able to um, kind of consider what he was doing on a very moral level. Mm, Prior is kind of like a devil's he played a devil's advocate in the book. Mm, yeah. I think he was also like I think there were characteristics of him that weren't exactly likable. Like he's very mm self-involved and he he has a kind of like sinister mind but Mm. I think but I think as you read more into the novel you see that these are just kind of his defense mechanisms from being so deeply traumatized yeah and it makes you like really sympathize with him Mm. I would say that Sasun 
isn't wasn't my favorite at the start because like I didn't realize like, I felt like he was almost like quite perfect like at the start because mm. of how he's portrayed as like a hero yeah and like you know the characters that you like they're never perfect they're always like vulnerable imperfect and relatable mm-hmm. so it was only like later when I studied about like Sasun's intentions and like his like how how his own identities right clashed with each other that mm-hmm. like I realized like how like Sasun is very human like he's very imperfect even though he's portrayed as a hero yeah I think like mm, like you mentioned how like how the idea of the characters change throughout the novel and I think like mm. such a beautiful part of the novel is that you can really see the characters grow when their ideas changed. And then mm. at the beginning, people with very fixed, like, perceptions of what is right and what is wrong, or, like, very, like, they're very stubborn. But then you can see all of these events that kind of challenge their mindsets, and they become very, very different at the end. Yeah. Wait, let me ask you something. Mm. Because, like, we talk a lot about how we like this book, right? Mm. What do you think is, like, your least favourite part of it? Hmm... I'm not sure. What about you? <laughs> Give me some time to think. <laughs> Shooting him back at me. <laughs> what do I hate most? Um, I don't know why I ask you such a difficult question. That I, <laughs> um, I think, I think, like, I struggled a lot in the book, like, when I was reading it with the decisions that the characters made mm. like even though even though in the book okay so basically okay this is a spoiler for people who haven't read it so you can skip past the part but um so soon in the end he decides to return to the war right oh yeah this is yeah i feel like it made the whole book like the whole journey in the book very futile it diminished like all of the value of the book do you want to tell them what hap- what is the whole plot of the book like, what, what, at the start, what happens? Like, what's Sassoon's story? So, Sassoon is basically a soldier, and he's, like, one of... He's, like, a very... Decorated soldier. Yeah. He he does a lot in the war, and he's very respected. But he's basically... Goes to the mental health hospital because he's protesting against the war. And he wants... He wants it to stop. And he... Even though he knows that his efforts are futile, he's going to do an, anything and everything he can to stop it. Hmm. But but in the end, he decides that he's going to go back and risk his life and join the war for, to, like, fulfill a duty. Yeah. And that is, like, the conflict of, like, his moral view on war and his duty as an obligation as a soldier. Hmm. I think one, one aspect is also because Pat Barker does never explains why, like, um, Susun never explains why he went back to the war. Mm. he's like he just went back even though the whole story is like about Sasun right but there's no point in time where Sasun kind of explains why he goes back right but I think like I really I know I know it's a real thing but I really didn't like how it showed that the war just kind of muted a person's moral values like you know what I mean Mm. like Mm. Like, his, because his role as a conscious objector, like, shines light to his resistance and his resilience. 
in going against the war. But then in going back to the war, it suggests that like the war muted him, right? That's what you meant. Yeah. I think it's I think- quite hard to come to terms with how someone as strong as Sasun can um like go back to the war. Mm. Even if it's something he's against. Yeah. Yeah, I think I also struggled with that. But I I I okay, I thought of like my least favorite part of the book. And mm-hmm. this is something that I think I struggle with in a lot of literature texts. Which is okay. that there's no like one main plot. Mm. Yeah, there's always a lot of like mini plots everywhere. I feel like I don't know if it's if it's something to do with like lit text. But I feel like when I read normal storybooks, there's always like one big thing happening. You know, like this story is about one of my but then in this book it's like there's a lot of mini plots. Mm. Maybe it's because we analyze it a lot, then I don't know. Yeah. But that's but, something I struggle with in a lot of literature texts. That I feel like the, the plot is quite fragmented. So if you had to choose what would be what would be the main plot which you wanted to know more about? I I, I think I prefer books where there's like a main conflict that happens. Mm. Yeah. It's just like the normal cliche story, like the conflict happened. Like you know the in primary school where you learn the bell curve. <laughs> it's like yeah. a bell curve. Like, so it goes like a conflict then they resolve the conflict but that's yeah. obviously not how all books are la. Mm. so it's like yeah but that's something I like like to know like what happens mm. okay what was your favourite theme in the novel? oh okay one theme that I was obsessed with for like the entirety of like year one mm-hmm. was the idea of silence in the novel Oh, do you remember my obsession yeah. with it? So I actually created a document where I wrote down every like literally every quote that's like that that like mentioned silence, mm-hmm. and it's like four pages long. My mm. document is four pages long, <laughs> and I and I never like I never I never concluded. I just created the document. I never did anything out of it. But but okay. But I I concluded that like um I don't know if it's I concluded or I found out. But there are two types of silence in the novel. Mm. So the first is um, the ethical, aesthetic response to like, how difficult it is to convey conflict. Okay. So silence is like an aesthetic response. Because like conflict, like especially the intensity of conflict in the war is so difficult to, to convey, right? That the, the right thing to do becomes like a dignified silence. What do you mean by an aesthetic response mm. it's like because conflict like like what we discussed earlier right like Pat mm-hmm. Buckle, um doesn't shy away from describing how gross and um, horrendous and traumatic conflict is so like mm. down to like the, the the blood and the gore that kind of thing mm. and, and also like death the process of death and decay, that kind of thing. And so silence becomes like, because it's so difficult to to explain like your confrontation of conflict, that your confrontation mm. with conflict. Yeah. Yeah, that like, it's easier to just be silent. Mm. So it becomes, it becomes like almost moral for you, you know, and everyone else around you. So, so it kind of like, 
um, it kind of like highlights the struggles, right? In a sense. I think, um, yeah, yeah, I think it highlights the struggles of conveying conflict. Mm. What about the second type? Then the second one is, it's a psycho-physiological silence. So that's called muteness. So it's a manifestation in the physical when individuals' literal inability to speak is impaired. So, mm. it's silence that conveys, like, grief or trauma or extreme confusion. So, mm. I think that one's more, like, almost medical, right? Mm. Yeah. So, I the think... first is kind of almost like, it's a response. But the yeah. second is, like, an inability. Like, it's an actual inability. Mm. I think, like, I just now in my notes, because I was rereading it before this, I found mm. one like line specifically which I thought mm. encapsulated what I thought about the silences. Mm. And it's about how like in creating structural interstices of fragmented writing, the evocative silences which Barker uses replicates a voiceless cry. His words have become no longer sufficient to envision the horrors of war. So I think this is like mm. what your first one about like the response. Yeah. So, like, it's like an invitation to imagine the unspeakable. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Mm, How about you? What's your favourite theme? Mm, This is a difficult question. I think... um, I think I was very, like, fascinated by how the book kind of challenges the idea of... um, gender constructs mm. and how the characters in the, in the beginning they go into like the war to fulfill a sense of masculinity in a sense oh uh, yeah but but in the end you see them and they become so emasculated by the war and then you see the opposite which is like the female characters being very empowered by the roles that they take on in society as the men are, like, gone. Hmm. Okay, so one example, do you have any examples of the emasculation? Mm, I think the act of, like, being in the trenches, they are, like, waiting and waiting to fight. But the fight is... It barely happens. They don't... It's not very physical. It's not like a brutal, like, wrestling match where they can just go up to the person and beat them up. It's like they're waiting, waiting for something to happen. And then when they go out... The stasis of it, right? Yeah, it's like the stasis and the... And the... So much waiting. Mm, So stasis, for those that don't know, is like just stillness. Yeah. And like, it's like almost an entrapment. I think, for me... When I think of the emasculation, the image mm-hmm. that, come, that comes to my mind is in the hospital where all the injured soldiers are, especially in the pregnancy ward. So mm. the entire hospital is transformed into a place for the soldiers to be rehabilitated. So yeah. even the pregnancy ward is filled up with soldiers, like injured mm. soldiers. And I think that's, for me, like when I think of the emasculation, that's a very direct, um, the, the very direct imagery that comes to my mind. Yeah. I think it's also very ironic, I think, in a sense. Yeah. Do yeah. you think that this mm-hmm. um this gender construct is reflected in like the sexual tensions or any 
in the book. Like, because mm. the book also has, like, explore sexual. Mm. And, yeah. Mm. I think it kind of creates a per- perversion of sexuality. Mm. Like, um, Uh, okay, I think in the book, like, between Pryor and Sarah, there's obviously a flip in their dynamics. Like, in a, lot of the, in a lot of their interactions, you can see how the characters take on the opposite role that you expect in society. Mm. So, and I also think that love becomes something that's very, like, muted. Yeah. Like, the... The, like, in real life, Owens and Sassoon, um, they had, like, a romantic thing that no one really, like, that isn't really discussed in a book. Yeah. But what you can see in their interactions with the book is this, like, very deep tension where they don't, where they can't really fully bask in, like, the idea of love because mm. they are so bound by their roles and their trauma. Mm. Yeah. That's an interesting way to put it. Mm. What do you think? I think... I feel like the... 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 Homosexuality in the book... Mm. Is described in... Like, for me, like... I don't know, like... The... The tension in sexuality is also reflection reflected in like Sasun's difficulty in confronting his ho- his homosexuality almost. Mm. And society's perspective of homosexuality. Mm. And I think um I think I feel like in in this period in the period of like the book, right, there's like almost no space for love and sexuality to exist. Mm. Such that when it does exist, right, it's met with like guilt and shame and judgment. So like the the characters that participate in like sex, for example, after that, right, they'll feel shameful or like guilty. And mm. then the characters that see other people, like for example, Sasun, I think it's Sasun, he sees other people like having fun and like couples having fun or something, and then he judge he judges them for like, the, their, their safety amidst the war. Yeah. So it's, like, in that space, right, there's no space... In that society, there's no space for, like, an explore, any exploration of sexuality. Mm-hmm. Whether it be, like, like, the physical act of lovemaking or, like, the exploration of, like, your own sexuality. Mm. Yeah. I, I think what, like, Baka intended to... Okay, this is my personal assessment, but what mm. I think she intended to do with that was to show, like, the revival of Puritan values in the First mm. World War, which is very, like, paradoxical. Because when so much, like, when there was so much, like, lack of morals, it, like, in reverse, society had a very strong, like, intense suppression of, like, traces of homosexuality, and there was an increase in, like, moral judgments. Mm. And, like, society was steeped in, like, suspicion and demonization. 
what do you what what how do you how do you define Puritan values? Mm, like very 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 I would say um traditionalistic, maybe insular values. Mm. Mm. And I think one aspect of the book is that it explores the narrative of the female mm. and their empowerment, which is something that so that's an in, I feel like it's an intention of Bakker, right? To explore yeah. like narratives that that are not as important or not as um not as mm. that are more like swept under the rug in the past. Yeah. Like, uh, like you don't it's like alternative almost. Because mm. when you think of the war you don't even think of the female's perspective. Yeah. Okay, we'll go to our next question. Our next question is were there any quotes or passages that stood out to you and why? Okay, um Actually, me and Grisha have very similar, like, almost the same. same. Not even similar. Yeah. Like, yeah. I said, I said all of my favorite part, then actually was like, oh, me too. Then we were like, oh. <laughs> then I, I went to find my second favorite part. Then when I told Ashley, then she was like, wait, see. <laughs> <laughs> the same brain. So, like, the first, the first one um, is about the stage, like, the process of recovery. Mm. And it's basically a metaphor which describes recovery so it says the early stages of change or cure may mimic deterioration so cut a chrysalis open and you will find a rotting caterpillar i actually i actually like the 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 sentence below Mm. the process of transformation consists almost entirely of decay that that sentence Mm. yeah because it's like separate right like Mm -hmm. at first they are talking about the caterpillar yeah, but I think it's also, it's very like, it's a very kind statement. I think it, con- it, I mean, and it happens after you see how a person regresses in his recovery. Mm. So it makes it seem like it's normal and it's accepted and that despite it all, like, at the end, he will reach recovery. It's a very hopeful note in the whole text, I feel like. I like how ironic the sentence is. But also now that I think about it, right? Actually, it's quite a cliche sentence. Think about it. In like, sense. the mm. process of transformation consists almost entirely of decay. It's almost like saying like, failure is a part of growth. Right. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I found it so deep when I first read it, but now that I think about it, <laughs> yeah. I think the imagery though it makes it very. Cut a chrysalis open. And you will find a rotting caterpillar. Yeah. Right. But I think it's also, it epitomizes the entire book. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it places emphasis on the process rather than the result. Yeah. I can't unsee how cliche it is now. <laughs> Same. Okay, what about the second second part? Okay, wait. Let me find my second part. Mm. Oh no, I feel like I lost it. <laughs> I'll see if I can. So yeah. I thought about it while Ashley and I find it. But basically, <laughs> it's about the sense of loss. Okay, I found it. Okay. So, okay, so basically, Owen is in the room and Sasun had just said goodbye to Owen. So, Sasun and Owen, they, are, they kind of have a homosexual relationship. But it's never mm-hmm. admitted in the book. And there's yeah. no... There's no, like, evidence of it, but it's quite obvious. 
and <laughs> and we and everyone thinks that it's a homosexual relationship. But it's also like I think I think there's evidence in real life that happened because yeah. all these characters are like real people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the Owen's in the room alone. Then the ticking of the clock was very loud in the empty room. He sat. He lay back in the chair and closed his eyes. He was afraid to measure his sense of loss. Mm. I think for me, like, I like this part because of how simple it is, but how relatable, like, it is. Like, the, especially the part where, like, the ticking of the, of the clock was very loud in the empty room. I feel like I felt that before. Don't you think so? Mm. Like, how, like, a quiet sound can fill up the whole room. Then it makes you feel very lonely. I think it's about how, like, it's like the another take on like the theme of silences that we said earlier. Yeah, it's like how silence can fill up the entire room. Yeah, and also like how the characters like they really feel like how the sense of loss, right? Like, like they take the time to like feel it. Cause sometimes in our life, like we don't. Like, when we feel a sense of loss, like, we we don't, like, take our time to go and feel it. Does that make sense? Mm. And I think in this book, like, the silences, like, it really gives space for the emotions to, like, sink in. Yeah. It, like, magnifies every emotion and really, like, gives on it. Yeah. yeah. And, I, like, my favourite part about that is just how relatable it is. Actually. Mm. So... On that note, because it's like near to the end, so what do you think of the ending of the book? Oh, I I wrote in my essay. I wrote about it mm. in my essay. Yeah. Ending. So I wrote that like, um. Okay. So basically, the ending is Sasun goes back to, to the war, right? Mm-hmm. And something interesting about this book is both the start and the ending is a quote, like it's a historical, quote kind of. Mm. So the ending is. Reverse, which is a which is a doctor in the hospital, he says he drew the final page towards him and wrote November twenty sixth, nineteen seventeen, discharged to duty. So here he's referring to how Sassoon went back to the war. And mm. for me it's like it's interesting that both the start and the end of the novel, right, is about Sassoon. So it centers Sassoon at the center of this novel. However, it's not Sassoon himself talking. Mm. Like Pat Buckle could have chosen to start and end with Sasun, right? But it could have been like Sasun talking. But instead she chose to make it like other people talking or writing about Sasun. Mm. So it's like it's how like Sasun lives in our minds, not like from like a primary perspective, but from a secondary perspective. Mm. Yeah. And that's like how the perspective of the war is shown to us actually. Not just Sasun's not just the same story, but like all the soldier stories, right? It's like they are filtered filtered through other people's thoughts. So, like our understanding of the same story is through reverse, like writing of like reverse writing about his story. Mm. And even at a even though Sasun is the center of this story, like even though Sasun is the center of like the story of him giving back to the war, right? But he's silent about it. Mm. Hmm. I don't know, I think my personal interpretation of the ending is that like, so at the beginning we see how Reverse thinks that 
fight like his job is to heal the soldiers so they can go back to the war. Yeah. He believes that it's a productive part of the system. So he thinks that to a certain respect the war is necessary. Mm. But I think at the end of the book he really comes to conclusion that it's unnecessary and it's really like a futile reverse. Effort. Yeah. So reverse is shaped by Sasun's story. Mm. Mm. I think the whole... Okay, so when I was watching the movie interpretation of the book, there was this poem that they ended with. Mm. And it isn't like this, like... um, It isn't like explicitly stated in the book, but there are references to it. Mm. So it's called The Parable of the Old Man and the Young by Wilfred Owen. So it basically revolves around the biblical story of um, Abraham and Isaac, which mm. are which are like also referenced in the novel. And then the end, the two lines are, but the old man would not sow, but slew his son and half of the seed of Europe one by one. Mm. So it's about how like the war is like a futile um, massacre almost. Mm. And it's about, it's a very, it places like a very parental relationship where the government is actively killing their, their own children in a sense. Mm. Mm. I think one thing that, okay, so in, the, in, in this whole book, like when you read the book, right, a lot of us can find it difficult to come to terms with Sasun's decision to go back to the war, right? Yeah. I feel like that might have been intended by Bakker. Like, it's intended because like she never shone like like she never gave like Sasun the voice to explain like why he went back to the war. Mm. So it, like our our like inability to come to terms with his decision it mirrors like the it mirrors like the the like how like soldiers will go like how soldiers will fight in the war but nobody knows why they are fighting, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think this is also like deepened with just now I was saying how the government was sending their own children to the war. In a sense, like Rivers and Sasun has also has that kind of parent child relationship in the novel. Mm. And it's about how like the father figure aids the son in going to what he thinks to be like killing himself in a sense. Yeah. But also I think even though I came, it took me a long time to understand Sasun, but I think I, now I understand. You understand him. What do you, what do you think of him? I think, like, because I, 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 okay, I went to read, like, one of my old essays, and then I think that, like, that, like, sums up, like, how I came to understand, like, Sasun's decision. Mm. But basically, I wrote that, like, Sasun went back to the war, like, not, not because of his identity, but in spite of it. Mm. So, like, his identity is, his identity in the book, right, is basically, like, uh, he's, like, almost a conscious objector of the war. Mm. So, like, all his values align with going against, like, the mission of the war. Like, that's who he identifies with. He identifies as someone that, like, doesn't agree with the like, the motives of the war. Mm. But in spite of, like, his identity as that, as well as, like, his, his, like, all the other tensions he faced with the war, like, his sexual, his sexuality, because he's homosexual, 
which is against something that a soldier should be. And uh, what else? Uh? What's the other one? He... A poet, is it? Oh yeah, his, his, his position as a poet that reconstructs the trauma of the war. So it's against... Like basically, he's, like him going back to the war is against everything that he is. But mm. he does it like not because of... Not because not just not because he was he's a soldier that he goes back. He goes back like in spite of it. Like in spite of all his identities that goes against. I think at the end, like so soon is really like um like uh, I'm not sure if this is the right phrasing, but he's like a beacon of sacrifice. So he just completely lets go of his own personal like not just his emotions, but he's like he's ready to just go in and ready to die for the sake of the soldiers that was him. Mm. But I think like his decision to go go back to the war is like everything to do with his identity also. Mm. I feel like throughout the book he's questioning his own identity. There was like um like there was a like our teacher talked to us about how so soon kind of mirrored like the myth of Sisyphus, right? Yeah, Sisyphian heroes. Mm, what do you think of it? I think I agree with that. But also, it's not like the conclusion that I came to. Okay, what was your yeah. conclusion? I think it's what I said just now. Like, like him, him going... No, it's not... I feel like those two conclusions don't clash. Mm-mm. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Him going back is like a, is not, um, it's like he questioned his identity. Then he went back to the war, like in spite of how his identity clashed with the war. Mm. I actually wanted to like unpack on that because like the, like the idea of like Sisyphus, mm. is that he is punished with rolling a boulder up the hill, mm. and like for the rest of eternity. So it's like basically doing a very futile act and sacrificing himself in a sense. Yeah. But I was reading another version of the story or like a different like perspective on it and it said how like rolling the boulder up the hill actually gave Sisyphus a sense of purpose and oh. if you look closely at him, he was happy despite the outside view of the act. And I feel mm. like that is what I hope so soon felt with like mm. at the end with like a renewed sense of purpose like despite what he chose to do it was something I feel like he that's felt. definitely how he felt I cannot imagine Sasun without purpose I feel like that's who he is I feel like Sasun found mm. another side of himself that could find purpose in the world mm. yeah yeah I think that's one way to put it mm. and like I think the novel is like you have to find that that side of Sasun also yeah Okay, okay, we've we've mm-hmm. come to the end of our podcast, and you can okay our next episode will be on personality types, and you remember to check out you can check out Instagram for any updates, and you can mm-hmm. check our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other major streaming platforms. Thank you. Mm-hmm.